Welcome to the Better Plants podcast by BASF. On this episode, we'll be talking with Emma Lookabaugh about hydrangeas. Hello, I'm Larry Elward, custom content editor for Meister Media Worldwide, publisher of Greenhouse Grower Magazine. I'm talking today with Emma Lookabaugh, a technical service representative from BASF. Emma holds a PhD in plant pathology from North Carolina State University. Emma, welcome. Glad to speak with you. Hi, happy to be here. <laughs> well, we're happy to have you. Emma is going to answer some important questions about growing hydrangeas. And let's get right to the questions. What are, what are the main diseases that growers should be aware of with hydrangeas? So hydrangeas are susceptible to a handful of diseases, but we tend to see three diseases that pop up most often. So powdery mildew, it's active year round. Then we get some leaf spot diseases and botrytis blight. So in indoor production settings, powdery mildew is active year round. All of us have seen powdery mildew. We're familiar with what it looks like. It's easily recognizable by that powdered sugar um, like coating that you know gets all over the leaves. Sometimes you'll see it on the flowers, sometimes on the stems. While aesthetically it's not really pleasing, powdery mildew is usually easily managed with preventative fungicide applications. Um, luckily, you have a variety of products to pick from. You just want to make sure you treat before symptom development or at the first sign of disease because the longer you wait, the harder it's going to be to clean it up. And also heavily infested plants can actually be slow to grow, have poor vigor and poor flower production. Um, so the next disease we'll talk about, Cercospora leaf spot. It's probably one of the more common leaf spots on hydrangea. Um, it definitely brings the heat in outdoor production settings because we have overhead irrigation and frequent rainfall. Um, the pathogen produces spores that are easily windblown or splash dispersed to nearby plant tissue. And that's why we see Cercospora um, really being problematic, problematic in late summer, especially after rainstorm events. Uh, this disease can progress rapidly and take advantage of any time you miss those fungicide applications. So you'll first see symptoms as like small reddish brown to dark purple leaf spots, and it usually shows up on the lower leaves first. And then as it progresses, those lesion centers actually turn gray. Your heavily infected leaves are going to fall to the ground, and then they're going to serve as a continued source of inoculum. So you want to make sure you're applying those preventative fungicide applications be, be, you know, prior to symptom development and then continue the apps throughout the summer. So that's the first two. We saved the worst disease for last. So this is botrytis. I like to say it hasn't yet met, met a stranger because Botrytis blight is one of the most difficult diseases to control, and it affects most of the crops that we are growing in greenhouses and in outdoor nurseries. So it's a prolific spore producer, and those spores are readily spread by wind. Um, it's even spread, you know, as simple as you walk by a plant where there's active sporulation, and those spores float up and then they can drift over and land on any nearby tissue um, and cause infections. So 
These gray tufts of spores are the dead giveaway for botrytis, but sometimes those early signs of disease are actually easily overlooked, especially when you have dense canopies. Um, cool, cloudy, wet conditions all favor disease development. So we tend to see botrytis pop up most often in the spring when we have those cool overcast days. Your young propagative material is particularly vulnerable, so are any blooms. So you wanna make sure you're um, protecting that tissue with preventative fungicide applications. It's also usually a good idea to treat the entire crop whenever the forecast is showing you're gonna get some overcast days. Um, so just go ahead and get your preventative apps out there. So those are kind of the basics of, you know, three of the more common diseases. Um, you'll have a couple other things pop up here and there, but usually those are the big three in terms of fungal diseases that we deal with. Emma, do you have any fungicide recommendations for those diseases? So fortunately, you have a lot of good fungicides in the market right now that will control these diseases. Um, we like to suggest a program that includes broad spectrum combination products as your foundation, um, contact fungicides for resistance management, and then add in specialist products as needed for specific diseases. So one example of a program that's performed really well for us, especially for these diseases, um, has been to use Orchestra Intrinsic Brand Fungicide as our foundational product. It's a nice combo product with two modes of action. You can rotate that with something like a Velio fungicide for broad spectrum control, include um, a botrytis specialist if you're dealing with botrytis, so a product like Decree fungicide. And then you add in your contact products like chlorothalonil or mancozeb, um, one for resistance management to break up some of those applications, but then also to just give a little bit of added protection wherever you need it most. So you have a lot of room to mix and match depending on which diseases you're targeting. And there's a lot of options on the market right now to do that. Excellent. Emma, where does sanitation and other cultural practices come into play? So sanitation and cultural practices can go a long way when we're dealing with these diseases in particular. So reducing humidity, promoting that air circulation by properly spacing your plants is very important. Um, you can switch to drip irrigation where it's practical or reduce overhead irrigation to limit pathogen spread, especially um, with things like Cercospora where those spores are splash dispersed. Um, you can bag up fallen crop debris, so leaves and flowers that drop behind, because those basically just serve as additional source of a, sources of inoculum. Um, the thing to remember is that fungicides aren't going to save severely infected or heavily diseased plants. So you're better off to go ahead and throw those plants away and then treat the rest of your crop um, to protect it. And that's going to save you a lot of heartache down the line. Emma, what are some of the insect pests from propagation through production? So switching gears a little bit here. So talking insects, um, in propagation, we can see fungus gnats, spider mites, and aphids. Once we move those plants into the can yard and finish, that's when things like white flies, 
scale insects, flea beetles, some of your scarabs like Japanese beetles can come in and damage the crops. If you overwinter stock, especially in the northern states, things like black vine and other weevils can become a problem. Um, you might have low insect and mite pressure overall, or you might be doing battle all season long. It's really regionally and seasonally dependent. And can growers still use biologicals and beneficials with targeted or conventional chemistry? So yes, absolutely. And we actually recommend this approach. So for example, nemesis beneficial nematodes and bellifer fungal contact insecticide miticide are two biological products from BASF that work to control fungus gnats and manage insect and mite populations in the greenhouse. And so by incorporating these products, um, it can actually help the rest of your IPM program work better because they keep pest populations low and at a more manageable level over time. You also have targeted chemistries that allow growers to control the pest target, but still be compatible with beneficial insects. And so these fit into both indoor and outdoor production settings. Things like sultan miticide, fluoramide, ventigra insecticide, and even um, distance insect growth regulator are all examples of products with narrow ranges of activity that can be used in the presence of pollinators and other beneficials. So just like with fungicides, you have a lot of flexibility to mix and match across the functional groups in a way that makes sense for your programs and um, seasonal pest pressure that comes your way. Emma, great summation there. Really appreciate you taking the time to provide growers with uh, so many tips for Hydrangeas, really appreciate the time, Emma. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. This is Larry Elward with BASF's Emma Lookabaugh, and thanks for listening to this podcast.